treasured. And we just stand right here now in the presence of God and we break off anything that would come against that or anything that would stop you knowing your identity as a son or daughter, as a child of God in Jesus' name. You are not just here because your mom and dad wanted a son or daughter, but you're also here because your heavenly dad wanted a son or daughter. And he made you in his image and he placed a glory inside of you and gifts and talents for you to be able to share with the world. So you have full permission in here to be everything that you were made to be. And we just break off anything that would come against that. So you, you shine in Jesus' name. And so, Dad, tonight, we just invite you and even more, God, let our hearts be turned towards you. Help us to be able to see and hear uh, what you're doing and discern it and just keep moving through us, Father. But we pray. We've all come here tonight to, to know you more and to go deeper. So, Father, just have, like, be, be with us. We know you, Dad. We just, we so love who you are. And so tonight, you're in a safe place. We'll guard your heart. We want to celebrate whatever you want to do. So whatever you want to do tonight, whoever you want to be, we celebrate you, Dad. We're ready. Just have your way, Father. We thank you that we get to stand with you and go deep, Lord. You're so wonderful. <laughs> we love you like there's no tomorrow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, so forgive me. I'm just going to grab a stool and something to hold a Bible. Yeah, that's fine. So as I said, my name is Tristan, and um, we're from the School of Faith. So the School of Faith is a plant of the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And um, we've, we've been privileged. This is the first year that we're running full-time here in Melbourne. And uh, so it's been our blessing to be able to journey to have like full-time students with us this year. Up until now, we were kind of running um, part-time or we were training people up for missions teams. Um, but Sean and I were living in India uh, last year on mission and we were training up missionaries. And then we got to a point where we just felt like God said to come back to Australia and to do the same thing here, to raise up a team. So we partnered with... Um, Bethel, like we went over to Bethel and we said, you know, we think that God is doing something, something pretty significant in Australia uh, and calling us back. And they were like, yeah, like we should get on this. So that's how we've come to be here in Melbourne training full time. So I, 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 there are a lot of prophetic words about Australia hosting a great move of the Holy Spirit. So you might know that Smith Wigglesworth once prophesied that um, a, a great move of the Holy Spirit would come forth from um, a great southern land. And most recently, um, there was something that came out on the Elijah list um, from the guys in America. And Alan, Lana Vorza um, prophesies quite regularly about um, Australia basically becoming ready, like rising up. Um, and the gentleman who was on the Elijah list just prophesied that something would come out of um, the southern parts of Australia as well. So we're well positioned in Melbourne. <laughs> Um, but what we feel like at school is that God keeps saying to us that he's raising revivalists in Australia now, that he's stirring spirits, that now is the time for Aussies to rise up, to have that spiritual authority, that intimacy with him, and be able to uh, you know, carry his presence. And when I, I have the privilege of talking to a lot of our new students, and I would say 50% of them at the moment are from overseas. And this is what they say. Like, they're all people who are on fire for God. They're saying that God has positioned me in Australia for this time. So, 
I'm, I'm excited by that because this is what I see happening in the spirit. God saying, I want to host a, a, a move in Australia. So he's bringing in people who are just on fire into that area. And it's kind of like just, you know, stacking up wood to the point where you can then just light a match and the thing just goes. So I'm excited that God's bringing other people over. And that's partially why we're here and we train as well, because we want to be able to equip people who are feeling that stirring. We had a lot of people come up to us and say, you know, I feel like God's moving, but I don't know my next step. I don't know what to do. So we were like, okay, it's time to start training people because there's just going to be more and more people who are getting stirred and we want to be able to equip people. So that's a brief background about how we've come to be here. And then uh, tonight we've got with us five of our full-timers. So these guys are just coming towards the end of their first year. And so I'll give you, I'll give you a quick shout out. Maybe if you could just stand up. This is Andrew. Welcome, Andrew. Um, Cam is the next. Cam is on worship tonight. Uh, beside him, Rachel. Woo. We love you, Rachel. This is Christy and Steph. And this is my amazing wife, Sean. <laughs> um, so, so we love getting to move in unity with the body of Christ. Because basically, that's, that's when you see unity commands a blessing. And that's when you see the most happen. And I think that we're all here to go deeper with God. So I'm going to share a little bit about um, what God's been speaking to us about and, um, and how, how we might be able to like, delve in deeper together. So um, I, I'm, I'm tipping that you're, you're all familiar with you know, some of the, the miracle signs and wonders that happen at Bethel or like Heidi Baker or um, Todd White and people like that or Randy Clark who are moving in at healing and things like that. And so I, we've had these amazing front runners who have gone ahead of us, who have really inspired us. So there have been these pockets or these people who have risen up who are really inspiring us about what's possible, right? So that... That has given us hope, hope like we're able to see something amazing, hoping for something better. And now what, what we see God bringing in this spirit is a great faith. So we're going to talk a little bit about this tonight. But, you know, Paul defines, uh, he says three things will remain, love, hope, and faith. Yeah. And so he defines hope and faith as different. So as a quick example, let's say I, I walk up to someone, you may have done this before, someone in church needs healing. I've seen people get healed before, I see them, I, you know, I hear stories about healing, so I've been inspired, so I have hope. I know it's possible, I have hope, so I go up to this person and I pray, God, heal them. I'm believing you would heal them, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that you will do it again. I've seen, I know you've done it before, I'm hoping that you'll do it again. So you have hope. But the Bible also says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So if you have hope, you've got the first step. Now, what God is about to release is faith. So this abject state of faith only, like only believing. And I believe that's what he's positioning Australia to receive. Um, that in itself is, is such a great move of the Spirit. If you go back through the Bible, you'll find basically the only thing that, that anyone ever talks about is faith, only believing. 
So Jesus always says, you know, why do you fear? Only believe. Like, where's your faith? He always talks about faith, faith, faith. And even in the Old Testament, when Jesus isn't talking about it, God's talking about it. Abraham, Abraham believed God, like had faith, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So all through the Bible, God is always um, talking about faith. So we're going to have a quick... Well, let's, let's actually quickly define... Let me define what faith is. We're going to talk about unpack this a bit as well. But I think somewhere along the line, we decided that faith was more like hope. Wanting to go up to someone and believing that, you know, God's healed and then he'll do it again. But faith is actually a confidence in God. It's actually that intimate knowing of God. So uh, the Bible defines it as yada, like being one with God. When you're one with God, you, you know who he is and you no longer have to just choose to believe. You know. Now, if I walk up to someone and I simply know who God is and know he is the healer, I simply release healing. I'm not standing there trying to believe that he does it. I'm just releasing it. And that's what faith is. And that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So God also um, spoke a word over the school, which was from First Joshua. I think it's around, it's First Joshua, um, sorry, Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, um, verse 5, which is, um, God says to Joshua, uh, you will give this people the inheritance that I have already promised them. So the word that God spoke over the school that was to be planted in Australia was, you will give my people the inheritance that I've already promised them. And the key there is that Joshua's, uh, you know, God's talking about the promised land. So God has already given that to the people of Israel. They just hadn't stepped in and possessed it. So part of um, what we believe this move is about is releasing to you something that God has already promised you. God's already said that I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, that greater works will you see, and that you'll be filled with faith. Hebrews says that there is a rest that we have yet to enter into. And that rest is that abject faith, that being devoid of fear, having no worry, no anxiety, simply knowing God, restoring you back to your original design, how you were in the garden. So in the garden, um, in the garden before Eve, I partook of the, the knowledge of good and evil that had no knowledge of good and evil, right? So Adam goes from being naked and then partaking of the knowledge of good and evil to still being naked, nothing changed other than his, like, his knowledge, like what he had partaken of. So if you, are a, uh, if you are restored to that original state of only knowing God, it doesn't matter. Uh, like, you, you no longer have that knowledge of good and evil, and it means that um, there's nothing that undermines your confidence. Do you, know, do you know the first person to accuse a man was Adam? So actually, when Adam, uh, when Adam partook of that apple, God came into the garden and said, where are you? And he said, I hid because I was ashamed because I was naked. God didn't say that you're naked and, and, you, and you should be ashamed. In fact, God then said, shivers, like, he's afraid and I'm going to clothe him. So the first person to condemn man was man. And one of the key points that I want you to grab hold of tonight is, while there is self-condemnation, you will never know God. You will never know God fully in that intimate yada, the way that he wants you to know him. And it will always undermine your faith. So John, um, I think it's 1 John, uh, talks about 
Um, if your heart condemns you not, then you will have whatever you ask for. If your heart doesn't condemn you. And that's because if your heart doesn't condemn you, and, do you remember when you were saved? Like often this happens when you're saved. When you have your first encounter with Jesus, you feel such a love and such an acceptance. And it's that, that absolute blissful knowing of who he is. And then you open your eyes and you start walking around the world and you may not have enough money or people say something negative to you or you pass up for promotion and suddenly all this self-condemnation comes upon you and that undermines your faith. So what we're going to talk about tonight is, as well is getting rid of that self-condemnation. As soon as you're done with the self-condemnation and you're able to just see God for who he is, you're moving that intimacy with him. And that, that is that faith that allows you to just see miracle signs and wonders. Because it says, the Bible says that miracle signs and wonders follow those who believe. Um, you know, the first time that I ever saw someone healed um, was in Melbourne. And I was, I was a younger man, and we were, I was with a group, um, group of guys who had gathered to pray, and we would gather every kind of fortnight. And um, one of the guys who was um, leading our group was a bit keen on a girl. And uh, he came in one day and he said, would you, would you guys consider going over to this girl's house to pray? And she had contracted an infection in her eye. So she wore contact lenses. And the contact lens solution had been contaminated somehow. Um, and when the lens went into her eye, her eye became infected with a rare virus. And the optometrist said, you know, it's like one in a million like, cases that you ever see of this. But it's, it's a very severe virus, and it takes years to be able to heal. And it stopped her from being exposed in that eye to any light. Uh, so we said, sure, we'll go over to a house and pray. So, I don't know, like maybe 12 guys crammed in a couple of cars and headed over to this poor unsuspecting young girl's house. And as we started walking up the driveway, the first thing I noticed about the house was that it, it looked like what you see out of those old wartime movies when there's an air raid. All the windows were boarded up and taped up. Uh, and I didn't understand until, you know, we knocked on the door and the mother came to the door and she opened it up and it was like pitch black inside. And she invited us in and she, you know, undimmed the light just enough that we could even find our way through the corridor into the lounge room. And I realized that they must have been living in this darkness because the daughter couldn't be exposed to any light. So they boarded up their house so like no light could get in the room. So we gathered, she turned the light down again and then they brought the, the daughter out of her room. And, you know, she stood in the center and we all started praying. And, you know, we were interceding and just praying that God would touch her. And at one point, we'd probably been praying for about 15 or 20 minutes. And suddenly this kind of boldness just rose up inside of me. And I just said to her, you know, what do you want God to do? What do you want Jesus to do for you? And she said, I, I want him to heal my eye. And I was like, it's done. And then she really boldly was like, I'm going to go test it out. She went over to the dimmer switch and she turned it up. And she, she could stand in the light, and her eye had been healed. And then, yeah, praise God. <laughs> the next day, she was then, she had a, an appointment with the optometrist, and she was able to go out in daylight, and, and she was just totally fine. And, uh, you know, one, one of the keys here is that, apart from the fact that God is just amazingly good, was when, when you get 
I guess when you partner with him or when you're looking at him so much that that boldness just rises up and you just know that he's there. You just speak something out and it just happens. Like he's just, you know, Smith Wigglesworth always said, if the spirit isn't moving, I will move the spirit. Like that's what God is desperately crying out for, a people who will say, I know you so well, so well, that I will just step out boldly onto the water and I know that you'll be there because you love it even more than I love it. Um, I mentioned that Sean and I lived in India last year and we were in a, a fairly rural, er- rural area and we'd been going out to villages um, and I, it's a little bit tricky in India at times so we were in a house uh, so we were Basically, this is how it had to happen. You had to be uh, taken by a local pastor out to the rural village. Um, We could only really go where there was already a believer because the believer would have to host us in their house and then the pastor or other the believer would go and get friends and they would bring them into the house because you're not really allowed to um, preach in the open or perform any sort of ministry. So we were in the house. They were bringing in people to us and uh, we would pray for them for healing or give them words and things like that. And this went on for um, a few weeks. And we were seeing some breakthrough. And then at one point, I was reading God's Generals, and, uh, which is a Robert Sladen book about all these amazing like, men, of, men and women of faith through history. And I got really inspired. And I was just like, God, I just need more of this. I'm going to fast for a bit and um, you know, just develop some humility and compassion in me again. And you know, the next week that we went out, Again, we were positioned in someone's house and the first lady walked in and I could feel faith in her. And before I even laid hands on her, I was like, this lady's just going to get healed. I laid hands on her and just started praying and healing just flowed. And in the past, when we'd prayed for healing, some people's countenance would change a bit or they'd be like, yeah, I think I'm healed. Like, thanks very much. I'm going now. This lady's countenance just changed and she started moving her arm and she was like, my arm just got touched. And then that just started a chain. More and more people would walk in. And at that point, I, I could sense their faith. And there was such a faith in me that we would just lay hands again and just speak healing and healing would flow. There was even a gentleman who walked in and you could feel how, how little faith he had. He seemed really hard-hearted. And he walked in and we were like, it's going to be all good. We'll just like start praying a bit. He didn't see much result. But even the result that he did see, we were like, yeah, but God's touching you. Like it's, it's happening. And we kept encouraging him. And his faith built to the point where he saw his breakthrough as well. So I want to encourage you that um, faith is really the key. That when you, uh, when you start to delve into the deeper things of God, that you can detect when people have faith. I want to suggest to you that that's also why uh, it would explain a story like Jesus going up to, uh, like to an area like the Pool of Bethesda, where there are sick people just everywhere. And walking up to just one particular person and saying, you're healed. Because you can feel when people are full of faith and, uh, and believe for their breakthrough. And it's just really easy to see them receive breakthrough. Um, even like spiritual gifts, you'll often see that, uh, you know, prophecy may not be prevalent in a church. And then a couple of people learn to prophesy. Suddenly everyone's like, oh, it's possible. And so everyone starts to just, uh, you know, develop prophecy. Again, um, one of the greats used to say, um, everyone stand up who hasn't spoken in tongues. And people would stand up and he'd be like, go, now speak in tongues. And through faith, just through that activation, they start speaking in tongues. 
So I want to suggest to you that, you know, whenever Paul speaks about spiritual gifts in the Bible, he's never trying to uh, create an exhaustive list. We believe that uh, we, we've generally accepted that there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. But Paul uh, writes that passage trying to indicate that there is a diversity of operations of the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit is, again, moved by faith. So the Holy Spirit isn't divided into nine little pieces that he gives out to individual people. He is a person. Prophecy and word of knowledge and healing is part of him. It is who he is. And the part that you have faith for is the part that you see manifest in your life. So if you're looking to move in healing more or in word of knowledge, then you just you, you get around someone who's already moving in it. You fast, you pray, you build up the faith in you to see that, and you'll see the breakthrough. Sean Boltz talks about um, having developed word of knowledge through having tried to give around 2,000 words and just tanking lots of times. Even Todd White talks about having gone out on the street praying for... He said he prayed for roughly 2,000 people before he started to see consistent healing. So it's literally that faith that's rising inside of you, that knowing. And it's not just believing it, it's that knowing. Um, So... So what I want to talk about tonight is becoming that generation that have faith only. So we can, we understand that the spiritual is above the natural, right? And I'm tipping, that's probably why we're here as well, because we're all being affected by the spiritual. So we want to be able to see it better, understand it, so we know what's affecting us. And then our end game is to be able to basically be the head and not the tail, to be affecting things in the spiritual that then filter down into the natural rather than just being kicked around by whatever else is going on up there. So um, there's a gentleman named Torben Sondergaard um, who has an amazing ministry called The Last Reformation, and he has a school called the School of Pioneers. And his, his idea of discipleship is taking someone out onto the street, getting them to pray for healing, seeing the breakthrough happen because he's standing right there with him. And as soon as they see healing happen through him, uh, through them, sorry, then they're on fire for God. They're like, wow, this is like so good. Like God's just flowed through me. And we all know that when God flows through you, it's just like nothing else. Um, so Torben Sondergaard uh, is also PS going to be in Melbourne in about three weeks' time. Um, Dan Moller is another gentleman who... Um, who moves in amazing miracle signs and wonders. Smith Wigglesworth is the other one I'm going to pick out for tonight, and he was a Welsh revivalist, oh gee, from about, like, in the last hundred years. And he saw just amazing, uh, amazing miracles. He, he said that nothing surprised him more when a, a woman, when he was first preaching, came up to him on crutches, and she got healed. He said that she looked surprised. I was even more surprised when she actually got healed. That was his first healing. And then, but after that, he was known for like epic faith. He used to say, if you sit in your seat, you'll be blessed. If you move out into the aisle, you'll receive more. And if you boldly come up the front, you'll receive your breakthrough. He, he's known for once having a lady um, who, you know, didn't have great use of her legs and her lungs. And, and he, he, he said, you know, she stood up for healing. And he was like, now run around the room. And she was like, but I literally can't. And so he jumped down off the platform, grabbed her, and started running around the room with her. He was like, run, woman, run, um, until she got healed in the running, in the running. As a side note, that's the other thing I want to give you permission about tonight, that the, 
There's so much I want to tell you. As a toddler, uh, if you're going to take a new anointing, you need to step into it before it will come upon you. So God said to the Israelites, I've promised you this promised land, and I will drive out your enemies before you. But they needed to step into it before he could drive those enemies out. So a toddler who is learning to walk does not wait for the anointing to walk to come upon them before attempting to walk. The toddler gets up, starts crawling, starts trying to walk, falls over left, right, and center, and in the going is the developing of that, that, that ability to walk. Yeah? So, so we have, um, we've taken away, especially in Australia, the permission to fail. And so I want to restore that to you. Be, have permission to screw up as much as you can because the more you screw up, the, the more you will gain. Like the more experience, the more you will gain. Um, okay, so let's quickly, quickly talk about faith only. So um, Smith Wigglesworth had this saying, which is basically only believe. Um, only believe. So the example that I want to give you is, have you ever had a time, just try to think, when you've just felt so full of faith, oh, sorry, no, so, not, not full of faith, so happy, just so euphoric. Um, so maybe everything was going right in your life. Maybe it was your birthday. Maybe um, you just got some epic promotion or something you were working towards just all came together. Maybe it was your wedding day. Just some day when you felt so euphoric that just nothing could get you down. And just remember that feeling. Now, when you're in that state, if someone, let's say I, I go to check out of a supermarket and someone's rude to me, uh, it just doesn't get me down. I'm like, oh, I feel really sorry for you, but I feel really great, so I can't be sad with you, but have a great day. And I never, I never had to stop and think, um, this person's been rude to me, how am I going to respond? It just flows out of me in like, oh, I'm sorry, but I love you. Because you're so full of uh, that that happiness and joy and euphoria, right? So I want to I draw a distinction here. There is a state that you can be in, which is euphoric and happy, and you're not having to make decisions about how you're going to respond in a situation. It is simply an overflow of, what, of, of who you are, like what you're feeling, yeah? So that is the state that you want to be in with faith. Faith is not a cognitive decision of gee, that person's in a wheelchair and I find it hard to believe, but I'm going to believe anyway. It's not that courage. It's not that decision to respond and, and try to believe, believe, believe anyway. It is a state of faith where I am literally devoid of unbelief. So I walk over to someone who has crutches and I simply say, you are healed and the healing flows because I simply know, I just know. It's the state that I'm in, faith. And again, that, that faith is confidence in God. And the confidence in God comes from being intimate with Him and knowing Him. So I'll give you another quick example. So Sean and I have journeyed together for many years. Um, just thinking of what I'll pick. <laughs> Let's go with nail polish. So Sean, Sean particularly loves nail polish. And she has this cool nail polish that even changes color up to three times. So at three different temperatures, Sean's nails will appear three different colors. Um, and it's, it's something cool that she loves to be able to do. So I know that about her. 
So I know that if I'm walking, like walking past a nail salon or l walking past one of these nail polishes, that I can just act and it's, it's part of her heart. Like she would love it. She'd be straight on board with it. I don't have to sit back and decide, is this going to be something that she enjoys? Um, does she want to partake in it? I just know. And it comes from being intimate and journeying with Sean. So that, that's where you want to be with God. You want to have journeyed for so long and to be so intimate with him and be devoid of condemnation where you know that he thinks just as highly of you as you think of him, that um, you know who he is, that he is a healer. And that gives you the confidence to be able to pray for healing and knowing that the healing will flow. So only believe is a state and not um, just something that you're trying to figure out in your mind. So, you know, a good man, if there was, if there was something bad that was going to happen um, upcoming in your life, like going to a cross, like Jesus going to a cross or something like that. A good man might even turn away to protect himself. A great man would be courageous and say, you know, I, just, I want God's will, uh, makes peace with his future and, and just presses forward. A son of God, if there's something that is in your way, um, then a son of God looks at God, finds out God's will, and then releases that into the situation. So a good man, a, a, a son of God will, will be presented with circumstances, will go to God, look at God, and get the faith for what he wants to release, and then release it. You know, Jesus said that I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what I see my father doing. Now, again, as soon as you have condemnation, it breaks that connection between you and God. And that's why the devil was so, um, so adamant about getting Adam and Eve to eat of the knowledge of good and evil. Because as soon as you eat of the knowledge of good and evil, you now have a framework to be able to condemn yourself by. Before that, there was no way you could condemn yourself. And so you just had intimate union with God. So that's what you want to get rid of now. You want to get rid of the condemnation and get back into just intimate union with God. So you can see him and just release what he's doing. Jesus also spoke things out that were not as though they were, and they became so. So when you're able to see God, you see what's going on in heaven. And because you're seeing it happen right there, you're like, I've already seen it. It's already done. And you just speak it out. And then all it takes is a bit more time, and it manifests. So you were made in God's image. Like you have that ability to create like God spoke everything into, into being. So you have that ability to speak and, and create. Um, and I want to suggest to you that everyone is leaking this very moment. That, you, look, technically, you are the point where heaven meets earth. Your body is this like, semi-permeable membrane that's filled with the Spirit. It says that, you know, God's Spirit is no longer contained in a temple on the Ark of the Covenant behind a veil. His Spirit lives in you. And you are literally the meeting point between heaven and earth. So you're leaking now. Whether or not you're leaking fear or you're leaking faith, you're leaking something. We're all leaking something into the atmosphere now. So what we want to do now is become intentional about what we're leaking. So take this example. Like uh, There is turmoil in North Korea at the moment. If I look at that situation in North Korea and it creates fear in me, that is what I leak into the environment. 
However, my other alternative is I look at that situation in North Korea. I look at God. I see what God is releasing. And I, I choose to partner with that. And in faith, I loosen and release that. And that in itself changes the situation. So I'm actually leaking faith and leaking something new into the situation. Yeah. So that's what we're called to do. As children of God, we're called to have this faith only, faith only um, inside of us. And then to not be shaken by circumstances, but whatever comes against you, to go back to God, to do what I only do what I see my father doing and leak that into the atmosphere. So I want to encourage you that it's absolutely possible, that it's not only absolutely possible, but it's the standard of the Bible, the standard of Jesus, that uh, the Bible says be perfected, be perfected in faith. Whenever the Bible talks about being perfected, it is not talking about an action like, um, you know, trying to do the right thing, to be, to be holy um, through works. That is the law. So being holy through works is just the law. It says that Abraham was accounted as righteous because he believed. And it's not just because he, uh, you know, believed he was righteous. But when it says he believed, it means that he has faith. He has that yada with God. And because his heart is one with God's heart, he does the right thing. Um, it, it just, you know, that's the way he acts. And God knows if you're a baby and a toddler and a teenager and a 30-year-old and a 40-year-old. And we have different standards for people as they progress. You know, a baby will cry and I'll feed it. But if my 40-year-old is crying and I need to feed him, that's not okay. So God knows where you're at in life and isn't looking for perfect behavior. God is looking for a perfect faith and a perfect heart. And not just perfect faith in like, Dad, I'm just, I'm going to believe perfect faith is again that being devoid of condemnation or fear and just having intimacy with him so that's what we're going to aim for tonight hmm. yeah that unbelief the bottom line is that we could be that generation we could be that generation who are devoid of fear who only believe that we could be that generation who uh, see that great move of God flow into other nations where we're, we're not shaken, we're not thrown because we absolutely know who our God is, who our dad is. So just imagine like just riding on your dad's um, shoulders and even your natural dad, if you're riding on your dad's shoulders, he's delighting in the fact that you're up there and you're pointing out things to him like, dad, let's go get ice cream. He's like, yeah, let's go get ice cream. And that's the same relationship that God wants to have with you, that you would know him intimately and that he would know you intimately and that you would feel good that he knows you intimately and that you are his friend and that he loves you. Because, you, again, you're not just here because your mom and dad wanted a son or daughter. You know, God could have put you anywhere in any moment of history and he chose to put you in Australia, in the family that you're in, right now. Right now. And... It says that he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. So he chose where to put, what womb to put you in. And then it says you're made in his image. So this is the best part. You, you look like your dad. You know, Jesus says, Jesus says in John 16 that I, he says, Father, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And it wasn't dying on the cross. He said, I've accomplished the work that you gave me to do, which was to manifest your name. Now, it was absolutely an amazing work that he did dying on the cross. But he said, for three years, I've gone around manifesting your name. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And 
we are to be like Jesus. Jesus was the first with many brothers. So when people look at you, they, they see God. And your, your job is to, to shine and to manifest his name. <laughs> so that's what we're going to go for as well. Okay, so I'm going to give you some quick ways um, to become devoid of unbelief. So um, I'll read, just for the sake of actually opening the Bible, I'll quickly read a passage to you. Got to make sure we keep it biblical. So I'm going to read to you from Matthew um, 17, 21. I'll just read it out because it's something you all know well anyway. Um, so Jesus has just been up on the Mount of Transfiguration. And they've just come down. And when they came to the multitude, a man came up to him, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and he is very ill. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. But this kind only goes out except by does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So a few points here. Firstly, the Bible says that everyone has a measure of faith. And faith as small as a mustard seed moves a mountain. So just think on that for a second. The faith that is inside of you can literally move a mountain. If there were to be a mountain in front of you that needed to go, you would say to it, be lifted up and cast into the sea. And it would if you would only believe, like have only faith. And he's not saying only believe, like just believe a little. He's saying, be devoid of anything else other than belief. The next thing that we can pick out from here is verse 17. He says, oh, unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? So at this point, he's walked with them for many years. And he's saying, why, why are you still doubting? I have shown you miracle after miracle after miracle. Why are you still doubting? Then the disciples come up to him and say, why couldn't we cast it out? And he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Only here, he is not talking about the demon. He is definitely talking about unbelief. He says, unbelieving generation. Now see, Jesus has not just come off a fast. He did not meet this boy, so he has not been praying and fasting for this particular boy or for the demon to come out. And he's not just come off a fast. So he can't be saying that this this demon only comes out by prayer and fasting because he didn't do it. He is saying this type of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. So that's what we're going to hit on tonight. So there are basically two good ways to get rid of unbelief. The first one is to see someone do it, and then you're often able to step into it pretty quick. So just like um, with Randy Clark or Tobin Sondergaard or even prophecy in the church, if I see someone prophesy, I see how it's done, I'm able to pretty, pretty quickly pick up the fact that it is possible, I have faith for it, therefore I can move in it. However, there are other things that clearly you cannot just see and have faith for, and it requires prayer and fasting. So that, that's our key for tonight. Prayer and fasting, um, you know, Dan Moller describes it as the atomic power of the Christian life, fasting. Smith Wigglesworth used to fast for every Friday. Torben Sondergaard, who is now able to walk up to people and just see people healed. 
says that he got to a point in his life where he was like, I am not seeing the breakthrough that I see in Acts in the Bible. And he was just like, that is it. I'm just fasting. And he fasted for 40 days. 40 days. Um, and now he sees great, great breakthrough. And he says, when people ask him, what is the difference between you and a regular Christian? He was like, it's undoubtedly fasting. It's fasting. Fasting allows you to weaken the body and weaken the soul and build the spirit. At present, most of us have a soul and a body that tends to dominate our spirits. However, when you are fasting, your body becomes weaker, your soul can find little comfort and becomes weaker, and your spirit becomes stronger by you reading the Bible, by praying, just having to push through the fast. And that in itself allows you to see breakthrough. So I can guarantee you that the, the favor and the breakthrough that I've seen in my life has been because I've used fasting as, as a ritual, as a tool. And there have been times when I've fasted for three days or for seven days. So I've never done something like Torben Sondergaard where he's fasted for 40 days. So I can only quote what he talks about. But he says when you fast for an extended period of time, he says even 20 days, you see breakthrough that you, would have, you, you don't see on a three-day fast. A three-day fast is a little bit like the 40-hour famine. And a lot of people do the 40-hour famine to feel the hunger that other people go through. But he says when you start fasting for a, a longer period, he said even on a three-week three fast, he received amazing dreams from God and was able to build a depth within himself that he didn't see prior. Um, so then what can you fast if you're going to enter into something like this? Look, you know, fasting something like TV or Facebook can be really good. I mean, my soul is fed by Facebook or by TV. Um, so if I deprive it of that, you know, it deprives me of a bit of comfort. But if, um, if, I, if I want to start seeing like real spiritual breakthrough, I haven't seen another way other than by fasting food. So it says that Jesus went into the desert and fasted for 40 days. Um, and, and when he returned, he moved in great spiritual authority. So I want to suggest to you that that's something that we'll need to restore um, to the body of Christ, that ability to fast, to see spiritual authority. And the only way we will see the unbelief broken in our nation is by having, being full of faith ourselves. So we actually have a challenge with some of the guys from BSSM who are Aussies who go over to study because when they come back to Australia, they're not able to see the same breakthrough that they were able to see in Reading. And it's because in Reading, there are people who have paid a great price to see that open heaven and that real atmosphere of faith. But when you get off the plane here, it just feels like unbelief gets all over you. And if I were to go, we had people going into the street today and less people engage with us here in this country than they do in other countries. Even in India, people are more open to spiritual things than they are here. So that unbelief has just robbed people of identity um, in Christ, of knowing um, anything spiritual. So to see that unbelief broken off, the, the only standard that we can have is to be that generation who have only faith. And to have only faith, I, just, I would love to make it easier, but there's just no other way around the fact that you need to get out unbelief from you, which comes from prayer and fasting. And the other great equalizer is just time. The time you spend with God um, and walking out the journey, what you invest time in will grow. Everyone has the same 24 hours in a day. You know, when Jesus gave out talents, he never judged people on how much they were given, just on what they did with what they had. Everyone has 24 hours in a day. 
It is the great equalizer that God uses for you to be able to take something and invest it. So what you invest in will grow. So fasting, what happens when you fast? The first thing is you feel really hungry. Um, the second thing is you feel quite tired. Um, if you don't eat for a few days, you start to feel quite tired. Your muscles might start to feel a bit crampy or fatigued. Um, but eventually, you know, you start seeing things that you couldn't see before. A humility is formed in you. Um, John Alexander Dowie moved in great miracle signs and wonders and was considered a great apostle in Australia. And uh, towards the end of his life, he said, I don't think that I obtained enough humility for the high office of being an apostle. When you fast, uh, compassion is developed in you. Humility is developed in you. You'll find that the greatest miracles are always preceded in the Bible by Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them. Fasting will develop a compassion in you, like praying for others. Um, you, and yeah, you just you start to feel God's presence. I was able to detect faith in other people that I hadn't been able to detect before. So your eyes to the spiritual are open. And you see that this is the trick. I don't have to teach you how to move in miracle signs and wonders because it's already built into you. It says that they follow people who believe and the Holy Spirit that is in you is moving mountains and raising people from the dead. All I got to do is uncover it, get the unbelief off. There's no formula for how to see someone healed. All I got to do is know that they'll be healed and the healing happens. So all I got to do for you is help you get the unbelief off of you so the glory inside of you will just shine out. I don't teach a lamp how to, how, to, how to be a light. I just take the cover off of it and it is a light. And that's what you are. That's what you are. That's the way you were made. Um, you become an overcomer. So you'll overcome things that are inside of you that shouldn't be there. And the last one is you'll live. You could get to the end of seven days and it may feel like you're going to die, but you won't. Um, your body has an amazing, an amazing way of being able to um, sustain you through periods of time. I drink a lot of water when I fast. Um, and, but for all the tiredness and everything that, that you feel through it, um, you'll live. Uh, it's got to be a bit wise about it. Like sometimes, you know, you don't, if you go from laying to standing really quickly, you'll feel lightheaded. If you have really hot showers or your blood vessels are open up, the blood goes to your legs and you feel lightheaded. If it's the first time you've fasted, take it slow because, you, you, you know, you feel really hungry and it's, it's kind of challenging to cope with. But I can guarantee you that um, I fasted for at least seven days and I'm still sitting here. So you can feel confident that you can fast um, and that you'll be good. You'll see, you'll see amazing things on the other side of it. Um, okay. So that's, that's, this is the last thing that we want to do tonight. Um, we, we have the chance. God said now is the time. So we have the chance to choose to be that generation. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Choose to be that generation of only believing. So it's something that we need to enter into um, together. It's something that we need to establish here in Australia. But we have the chance to choose to not fear, to not worry. Worry masquerades is a responsibility. I think if I worry about my career, I'm stewarding it well. But really, all I'm doing is looking at the kingdom of darkness and leaking that over my career. What I need to do is have only faith, be looking at God, know what he says about my career and loosen and release that. So that's what we have the chance to do. Be that generation who have decided, I will not be shaken. I will not doubt. I will not move in fear. I will not have unbelief inside of me. It is, it's not tolerable for us as a generation. We won't just decide that we're going to just believe. 
but we will not tolerate unbelief inside of us. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to have Rachel come back up and, um, and play the keys and kind of and sing and minister over us. And we're going to stand together for a moment and uh, kind of pray into that and make a decision. If that's what you want to be able to do, then we'll stand together corporately and make that decision. And then we'll do a bit of anointing um, and the guys will come around and minister as well. So, yeah, what we're going to do is if you would like to join us in that, then we're all going to stand up and we're going to spend a bit of, uh, a bit of time just praying into that and make, like, making that declaration um, and calling out unbelief for what it is and choosing to only believe. And then we'll get out some anointing oil.